God relenting from that. Um, it's really weird, like, it, it, right, in this idea of maybe what we're trying to grapple with is God's sovereignty and all that. But what what he's doing is staying faithful to his promise to these people that are being unfaithful, <laughs> um, which tells us a lot about God and his character, which, you know, if you take anything from that passage, like, take that for yeah. sure. I say, it's not the most important thing, but I do feel like if we're going to talk about the question, we should at least give us a brief summary of what people are talking about, like why people are talking about this at all. Uh-huh. Yes. So super brief summary. <laughs> the God doesn't change has always been the correct answer. Uh-huh. We'll, we'll say that. Yes. Um, that has become more widely questioned in the last 30 years or so. And the argument has essentially been that's because, like you were saying, how do you express these truths about God being faithful in a way that your culture understands? Well, in Greek philosophical contexts, the only way for something to be real or valid or true is for it to be unchanging, universal. That's it. And so for God to be faithful, he has to be an unchanging, universal truth. And so he cannot change anything, thus he can't change his mind. Right. And this flows into medieval scholasticism and all this sort of thing. And basically the argument of, I mean, some people are just crazy, but the argument of the faithful Christians that are wrestling with this right now is essentially the Jews didn't care about that. Like, that's not a Jewish way of thinking about this. Mm -hmm. Mm. The Jews weren't saying that. That was how Greeks tried to express the idea. And so maybe it's not a universal truth. Maybe it is how the Greeks were trying to express what they got out of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Mm. And so... That's why I'm trying to give I'm trying to give the other I'm trying to give the God changes his mind side some credit because historically everyone has been on the no God never changes standpoint. Mm-hmm. Like that's just been what the church tradition has been like basically forever. Right. So I feel like they deserve a little bit of explanation on the other side yeah. because mm-hmm. because I know like I know people who are not crazy. They're not they're reading the same Bible you and I are reading and making reasonable conclusions and trying to be faithful to God. Yeah, so they need a little bit of defense because every Christian in history is on the other side. Yeah, and and in in, su- in suggesting what I suggested about does God change His mind about the need for the satisfaction of justice? Yeah, it's a uh, there, there's a rhetorical flaw to the uh, to the thing I suggest, which is uh, it's not that uh, that that it is God's choice that death happens when sin happens. It's it, it is. Um, Death happening when sin happens is as natural as my phone falls out of my pocket because gravity pulls it out of my pocket when um, when I don't put it in properly. Uh, that it's it's a it's a it's a natural it's it's a it's a, it's a law that exists the way that laws of nature exist. It's not well. I've decided that that's bad. It's bad because it's bad because we all know that it's bad because yeah. bad is bad. Um, I. I guess it occurs to me that we also usually think about change in terms of, like for God's perfection, we think about change as he's perfect. He is like a, the off the end of the chart on the number line and any change would be a lower number. I'm like, <laughs> like we always think about it in terms of abstractions. Uh-huh. Hmm. And 
somebody, I forget who it was, but somebody pointed out, it's like, why don't you think about it like the best violinist in the world and the best guitarist in the world? Turns out they're both God. And God's playing the violin, but then he changes and decides he wants to play the piano for a little while. Like, <laughs> like right. and anyway, the point being, yeah. like, when you get into more, l- less abstract logic and more, like, artistic expression metaphors, mm. the idea that all change is necessarily worse sort of becomes more questionable. Yes. Mm. Well, and it's interesting, interesting, you were talking about the, the Greeks needing to express, like, his uh, his immutability as as the the proof of his perfection yeah um because these are the same people who would like burn people at the stake who suggested that the uh that the earth went around the sun or that or that anything in space was anything but but perfectly spherical and round and like and and and, um smooth yeah where as we like you know as we've seen space now it is like a chaotic place full of like some of the weirdest and most violent and imperfect things in the entire world Be- beautifully mystically imperfect like dude, i am i am currently super obsessed over the moon io or that yes. goes around the planet jupiter just because it has volcanoes because it's being gravitationally squished yes like it's it's basically like what happens when you like you handle a grape too much and then the inside just becomes super jelly and then, like, you get that one, like, that one break, and it just juices everywhere. Like, Iowa is basically juicing all over space right now. <laughs> and, <laughs> but, like, to have, to have suggested that to the Greeks, <laughs> to have suggested that to the Greeks would have been, like, heresy to them. Because, like, you were, you were suggesting an imperfection yeah. in the heavens, and they needed the heavens to be perfect. Yeah. But if we, if we, if we say, no, like, it's... It's it's not that, and it's it's not. It doesn't make it imperfect. It makes it different and uh, far more strange and alien than we thought that it was. Not imperfect, but different than our than our our, uh, our, our concept of it. And so the the idea of uh, God having this this thing and interacting with that thought with Moses. You're still on the squishy grape, aren't you? Uh, no, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many thoughts I'm trying to keep in because like. This discussion goes into like the nature of the creeds and how you express what's in the New Testament and Greek philosophical mindset, and that's oh, where you get the so creeds much, from. Yeah. And like, mm. there's, yeah, we 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 don't have time now or for a long time to get into all the stuff that this is, applies to. Yeah, and, and one of the things we did we decide we we are going to get into once we get into the other half of the the Pentateuch, we're we're actually gonna, we're going to dig into the uh, uh, the concept of slavery. Yep. In the Bible, we're not going to do it now. Like we we talked a little bit about, hey, we need to dig into this some more. We're going to do that after we get past a specific place in Deuteronomy that it, that uh, addresses it very directly. Um, but uh, Andy very rightly said, I do a Bible study that takes a month and a half of hard work and nobody asking any questions whatsoever <laughs> and not having any sort of like existential crises along the way. So we we have. You know, ten more minutes. So <laughs> I think we can cover a month and a half time. in ten minutes. <laughs> uh, but within the within the idea of the immutability of God, or the perfection of God, or does God change His mind, or anything like that? Um, what are what are some of the things that we get positive out of the idea that God changed His mind then, and God changes His mind uh, in our interactions with Him? You want to hit it? You want me to? Some positives in that. Yeah. You go for it. <laughs> oh, I mean, I think the, f- 
the two biggest ones are it's the most natural way to read the Bible, mm-hmm. which like even if it's a mistake, I always, especially since we're nominally doing this for people who are trying to like think about how to read the Bible, right? If you're going to make a mistake, erring on the side of reading the Bible, that's what it seems to say instead of trying to like twist it out of shape. Uh-huh. Mm. Like even if you're wrong, that's a good habit to get into. Mm-hmm. And we can address the few times, we can address the few cases where that's wrong mm. much more easily than if you're constantly in the habit of trying to twist the Bible to say what you want it to say. Uh-huh. Just but, letting the Bible speak for itself. Right. Just letting the Bible yeah. speak for itself and getting in the habit of that's how you interact with it mm. is valuable from a learning to read the Bible well standpoint, even if this particular detail is off. The, mm. I mean, the biggest one for me, in addition to that, is it means our interactions with God mean something. Yes. Mm. Like, it means God does not just have the entire thing written down and there's nothing, nothing I do matters at all. It means he, when it talks about God partnering with us, even back in the garden, when he picks Adam and Eve and says, here, you guys do this thing. Later on, when he has, like, when Moses is talking, he's committed himself to Israel. And that, in some sense, makes God vulnerable because he has sworn he's going to work with these people. And what happens when those people aren't worth working with? Right. Like, so, like, all of a sudden, it means that what we do does matter. It does mean something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you're uncomfortable with Andy having just used the word vulnerable, good. Because there's an entire book of the Bible called Hosea. Oh, gosh. That exposes not just the vulnerability, but Mm. the damage that was done to his heart for having made himself vulnerable to Israel. Mm. And by extension, us. Um, And uh, and like just like the example of what that what what happened in Hosea's life with what God said, hey, go get this wife. She's going to be like this. This is you. This is you to me. And so if, if, if you're uncomfortable with, like, Andy saying, like, it makes God vulnerable, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, like, he, he, <laughs> he did not have to leave his heart available to be injured by us. He did not need us. Mm. He, was, he, he existed in perfection, in perpetuity, eternally before us, didn't need us at all. He made us, mm. and he made himself vulnerable to us, and we hurt him. And so, yeah, it is, <laughs> it's, it's, that's a big deal, man. Mm. Um, I, I, I think, I think we like, just like with the time we have left, I, I think maybe like what we should do real quick in this, the passage that came up, let's look at what happened mm. because God gave Moses all these rules. They didn't have the laws yet. They didn't have the law yet. And so they, no, they didn't have the law. Um, don't have any gods before me. But what, what did happen was the people went to Aaron. And in essence, they asked him, how do we worship Yahweh? How do we worship this God? And Aaron did what everybody does when they have no idea what's going on. He's made something up. Like and what everybody else is doing. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'll just make a God. And, and he didn't make a God. He made an idol for, for Yahweh. He said, it's just like, I'm feeling a cow, dude. Or like... <laughs> I'm getting a cow well, vibe. Yeah. <laughs> or it's like, that's the only thing, like, you know, like, you, your kids play with Play-Doh and they make you an ashtray and you've never smoked, but... <laughs> uh, so, like, the, 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 cow was, uh, the cow was Aaron's ashtray. 
Bible does not have Aaron listed as one of the metalsmiths who is excellent in <laughs> skill right. later on in yeah. here. <laughs> but yeah, the, the people wanted to know how to worship God, right? Hmm. And God looked at what was going on, and it was wrong. Yeah. But it was wrong on the level of, and so like, the, the, the question is, why did it make him mad? Didn't make him mad because he hadn't given the they haven't hadn't given them the rule yet. So why was he mad? Would it be would it be like is he mad be, for the same reason that he was angry at Babel? That they were they were doing things wrong on such a level that if they continued in that vein, they would con, they they would doom their entire existence. Because like when when, mm. when God looked at what was going on at Babel, he said if we let them do this everything that they they will fail at nothing they put their hands to and at th- at that stage in their existence if they had a successful worship of god around an idol that was a golden calf that would be an option for them oh and it would warp everything right every every approach they have now to worshiping the god of the universe would be um uh, stunted I would say like yeah. and that that's maybe just a, a nice way of putting that <laughs> like <laughs> um, and also you got the discussion of God's holiness as well and and his authority to say you should worship me this way and when you go against that authority he's saying you did wrong <laughs> I'm going to uh, punish that I have to yeah. Yeah. there's that and Mo- Moses well. intercedes Moses intercedes and he says hey don't kill them he gives them all the reasons why you know, you just save them. You save them for this. This will this will look a certain way to all the nations. And God says, "Okay, I, I'm not going to exist amongst them. Otherwise, I'm just going to have to kill everybody." And then, what's the next thing he does? N- then Moses goes down the hill. Well, no, no, no. I, I mean, the next thing after the golden calf episode, uh-huh. where God says, "I can't live amongst these people," yes. is ten chapters of providing them the tabernacle to blueprints <laughs> so that he will be so that they can create a situation where he can live amongst them. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's the, it's that, that compromise that this is like, I will, I will exist with you in this way. But I like the, the turn then from Moses being mercy, 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 mercy to he turns around and he <laughs> is the wrath of God at the bottom of the mountain. Yeah. I mean, mm. he throws down the tablets when he's seen what was happened. He feeds them cooked golden cow yeah he's breaking stuff and rubbing (laughs) their noses in it and then he says everybody who is loyal to god arm up we're going to kill some people and Mm -hmm. three thousand people die or six thousand i don't remember how many people it was but it was three (laughs) years it's a couple they they had a couple of burials that happened after after the fact and the 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 levites stood up and they they killed people it's like but it's interesting because like up on top of the mountain moses interceding for them at the bottom of the mountain he is the extension of god's wrath down there yeah. Mm. And and he yeah. said on behalf of God we're going to we're going to put some stuff right here we went back and forth across the camp and just got things got ugly which is the role he's been doing the whole book of Exodus right like right. he has mm. been the voice of God to the people whether that people is Israel or Pharaoh and yeah like mm. as as much as I 100% agree with what Isaac said at the beginning about how the God of the Old Testament is the same as the God of the New Testament. It's, he's not just punishment in the Old Testament and grace in the New Testament. Like, he's not just grace in either Testament either. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like, wait, remember, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, was it Ananias and Sapphira? Yeah. yeah. The guys in Acts, yeah. like, yeah. They fibbed a little bit about what they, what they gave and just died. Yeah. Like, I'm just quoting Peter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, 
But I, I think, like, actually, like, lo- like, like we said, looking at what happened, like, what does it actually say happened here? Uh, there was some wrath that did come down, and there was some death that was brought on their camp. But again, like, God didn't change his mind about killing everybody as much as he as he stayed with like this is uh, this is the value he did not change his mind about the value which is mm. you will worship me the right way and you'll worship me in the way that i give you and give you to so that we can have a relationship mm. and so that you won't have a thing between us yeah yeah that's good but it is time for us to finally say goodbye for this one, to say goodbye for just us uh, talking about Exodus. We'll have Jonathan in here next week and Ben mm. the week after that, but we only have three microphones, and one of those microphones has to be given up because uh, Isaac's going back, man. Yeah. He seems to go do things. And so, uh, 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 listeners, guys, people who, uh, who listen in, uh, do do some shout out and some, and some some love for Isaac as he's been on the uh, on the, the the podcast since he's been here this summer. He has been awesome. Uh, great to have him here, and uh, it's great to be here. As as we noted uh, earlier, he's he's, he's tall. <laughs> yes. We'll have to have like a sorrowful rendition of the parting glass as the outro for this episode. <laughs> oh gosh, oh, I, I wasn't feeling Irish today. <laughs> Dang, why why are all the sad songs Irish? <laughs> have you met the Irish? I'll say what? bagpipes go okay, pretty hard as far as like <laughs> sad songs go. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I need to listen to some bagpipes. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> There's going to be some dudes working on the highway going north into Oklahoma. And like, why am I suddenly feeling things <laughs> besides sunstroke? <laughs> <laughs> there was a guy at college who, for some reason, had learned to play the bagpipes and decided to play them out front of the dorm. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. Periodically. <laughs> oh. So you'd be sitting in front of the dorm, not the same dorm, a oh, dorm like a quarter mile, half a mile away. Oh, jeez. And be like, what is the sound I hear? Is it the sound of... No, it's the sound of bagpipes. <laughs> <laughs> Where are those coming from? Was it like a girl's dorm? Was he serenading? Is that was that his, his move? <laughs> oh. I, oh. <laughs> no riz. <laughs> I am not, I'm not going to comment on that. Oh. Only because I know the person he's married to. <laughs> so... Oh. Oh. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> Get in more trouble than I'm already in. <laughs> and, and with that note, that might possibly make its way back to some collegiate bagpiper somewhere who had negative riz. <laughs> this is the Unimposters podcast, and I'm Damien. Um, and I'm Isaac. And I'm, I'm Andy. Signing off. Oh, he's not the intern anymore. Oh, oh. peace out, guys. <laughs>